Amilta is a resting place. The gods here sleep, powerful in repose, but stationary. Most of the continent is the grave site of the old world, the burial mound of old ideas and structures. The continent itself seems to be at rest, recovering from its ordeal and waiting for the day it will awaken. What it will look like in that future has yet to be decided. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, King Cat, and my future is limitless, and I'm extremely powerful. Hello, King Cat. Hello. Oh, Kirsten is here. Kirsten, always excited to be here. I come with great excitement. You know that feeling that when you come home and your dog comes to the door and is like, hey, you're home. That's that's the excitement I bring. And I'm like, hey, this is true. it's games. Also excited to be here. We have Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm excited to be here. And my future is hazy. Ask again later. <laughs> <laughs> And we have the mysterious Kathleen. What does your future hold? The key to mastering the future is to master the present. I have no idea what that means. Wow. Me either. Great. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies, everybody. Previously on Sword of Symphonies. God, every time I say that, I hold out the first syllable for longer. <laughs> it's becoming a signature. Eventually, the episode is just going to be you saying that one syllable for like an hour and then memory time. <laughs> <laughs> Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party returned to the monastery at Dunbarrow and spent a little bit of time recovering from their ordeal with the ambassador. The Ash Duke was defeated. Killed, in fact, and that was something no one expected to see. But it happened. Theo decided to strike out on his own, at least for a while, to go back to his home. And the party decided to continue up the mountain with Gideon and Sod in tow this time, on Cobb's errand. And now I think we join our party on a clear morning. We are at the base of the last tooth. The party has been traveling for a day to get here from Dunbarrow. The ground is hard and unforgiving. You're away from the gentle sides of the crying night river and the forest is beginning to thin. Faintly, you can hear the reason they are called Wailing Agrippina. When the wind hits the mountain just right, all the holes in that sacred statue at its apex whistle, a sound that can be heard for miles. Well, is everybody ready to uh, go on a little hike? Or should say more of a little hike, a little climb? Yeah, we have been hiking, so I guess, I guess, yes? Yes, I think that we have demonstrated yes. Yes, let's go. Onwards and upwards. Sot kind of shivers and sticks close to Gideon. 
Aw. Oh, you're not too cold back there, are you, Mr. Sot? Uh, no, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. Are you sh- Are you sure? Yep. Okay. I, I, I will admit that this sounds a little unsettling, I, I find. I've never actually gotten to hear them before. Me either. It's a little spooky at first, but... Oh, definitely spooky, but you can hear it all the way down here? They're, um... I think they're supposed to be up that way somewhere. Mm-hmm. What would happen if we went all the way to the top? I th- well, I would imagine we would find them. I, we don't have to go that far. But... But... And- and then we could see the other side of the mountain. Can you be a range, Mister Sod? You haven't you haven't gone to see anybody. Uh. <laughs> eventually, like after staring into space, I think the wailing kicks up on the wind again, and he shakes his head and retreats behind Gideon. I was thinking the same thing, Tessa. Could you be a double ranger? Could you? Could you? Hmm. Well, I don't know if any of them have ever asked the same person twice, but uh, I suppose next time I'm, I'm uh, in the area with Augustine, I will ask them. Hmm. I don't know if I'll get a response, but I'll ask them. I, we didn't we we didn't spend enough time at the monastery to study though to really go see Agrippina, cause cause you have to like give gifts and memorize like riddles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe we're not prepared for a pilgrimage just yet. No, not just yet. Double ranger. Says Penelope as she's been lost in space for like the past like <laughs> two minutes. Snap, snap out of it, Red. Come on. <laughs> and she catches up. Yeah. Uh, the party is not headed particularly far up the mountain. I am going to put my foot down on this one, Nick. The last tooth is an extremely dangerous place the further up you go. I said it wasn't that far up. Yeah, okay. I'll fight you. I'll get on a plane and I'll fight you. Crown will be damned. Look, it, it was never going to be that far up anyways. I wasn't going to make a child, like, go fight a bunch of demons. That's not nice. <laughs> Penelope reaches into her pockets. I think, could she have some bread from the monastery? Oh, yeah, they would have let you take some bread along as rations. Yeah, absolutely. I think she pulls out, like, just a, like, a fistful, like, just rips it, like, in her hand. And starts munching on it and then rips another fistful and like, just like not even turning to look, but just like puts her hand back and passes it to Saw it. Yeah, he right? does. He does take it. He has an understanding, him and I. <laughs> yeah. It takes a village to raise a young man. Mm-hmm. And we don't have an entire village, but we probably add up to an entire adult between the four of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, at least one. At least one. At least one. But yeah, Cobb kind of pulls his jacket closed a little bit and says, all right, well, the route up is not too bad. So hopefully we should be able to make it up there in a couple of hours. 
Um, I don't remember getting far enough up there for things to be too dangerous, but I guess everybody be on the lookout just in case. Aye, aye, Captain. Aye, aye, always, right? <laughs> and Cobb will lead the group up, uh, up some... Some nice trails. Nothing, nothing too crazy here. We're not not trying to kill the rest of the the rest of the crew. We're not trying to kill the crew. We had enough of that over the past couple of days. Yeah, Cobb is over that for now. <laughs> he is bored of it. <laughs> Cobb will find no such satisfaction here. Ah. <laughs> uh. Right. So I would like to get some. I mean, what are some good rules to make? Everyone, tell me what rules you're making. I think Penelope is gonna just do a regular old sensitivity survival. Is there any markings along the trail? Things that we should be concerned about? Okay. Uh, Cobb is going to do adaptability athletics to make sure that everybody is doing okay. And that nobody's, you know, slipping and we're not getting, you know, falling down the mountain or anything like that. I was thinking of having Tissa roll a sensitivity discovery roll. I like all of these very much. Penelope got two success. Cobb rolled unbelievably well and got four. Wow. 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 Well, it's an athletics roll. Which is a lot on five dice. This is true, but Cobb's an athletics machine. I think he's only ever flubbed one athletics roll. He did flub that one. What a flub that one was, too. That was a good flub. Uh, Tissa got a five, so that's a success. Okay. Oh, we haven't rolled a discovery roll in season two. We have not rolled a discovery roll in season two. Oh, yeah. Hey, listener. Discovery rolls are just little rolls you can make when you want I guess when you want your character to be taking in the environment, you make a roll based on one of your facets. And depending on which facet you choose, your GM will tell you different things. For example, if you roll subtlety for a discovery roll, you may see something fleeting, something that as soon as it notices you vanishes. A sensitivity roll is for seeing something wonderful. The first thing is Penelope's excellent, what was that, sensitivity survival? Yeah. You notice two things. The first thing you notice is that it is spring and there are low bushes beside the trail. They're probably berry bushes. They're covered in tiny little flowers. Oh. Little ones only about the size of your thumbnail. Ooh. If you were to come here in summer, these would probably be full of berries. I may have to come back in summer. You also see a strange creature rooting around in one of these. It looks at you. It looks rather like a duck. A large duck, at any rate. Not quite goose size, but large for a duck. Pitch black. Pitch black with bright green eyes. And a bill that shines like the wings of a beetle. Hmm. When they make eye contact, she waves. Just a little wave. (laughs) Hello. And then it kind of frantically waddles off using its wings for balance. Hmm. 
Cobb uh, successfully guides the party up as the trail begins to get difficult. Cobb knows all the tricks of climbing this thing. I mean, you're not doing a straight up vertical climb, not yet. You're just at the base of the mountain. But the trail is rough. There's scrambling to be done. There is scrambling to be done. Luckily, however, we have a big, strong captain who's able to show us the proverbial ropes. And also give anybody a boost if they need it. No need to be busting out the literal ones yet. Not the literal ones yet, but yeah. Sot's actually a pretty able climber, partly because you know how kids are. They don't have a lot of weight, so they can lift their own weight pretty easily. He's a spry little fellow. And actually, he's keeping pace with Cobb, partially to stick close to Cobb and partially because he's just good at climbing. And Tissa sees, from a distance, and this is me cheating a little, because you did not roll the stat that would normally... Don't worry about it. There is a tree up ahead, further up the trail. A large one by the look of it with big sweeping limbs, dark green foliage. And even from a distance, you can see small white star-shaped flowers. Cat, are, is this also, is this? I'm thinking of other trees with white star-shaped flowers that we have mentioned in this campaign. Yeah. Do they look like similar sorts or even the same sorts of trees? Or is it just that, like, there's lots of white star-shaped flowers about? No, it has the same kind of low, rugged profile as the other trees you've seen with those flowers. The same dark green foliage. Almost like a dark blue-green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait... Red big guy, um, do you remember? And Tissa points at the tree. They had those, um, back when we first met on the island and, um, near where the first demon was. Oh. Oh, when, when, when I... When I went on the roof and rose such clatter. That one? <laughs> I do remember a tree. Is it, Are you sure it's the same kind? Um, I mean, it's got the, the leaves are that color and the... It blooms really. It must bloom really. How does it bloom? Huh. This is going to roll some sort of understanding roll. Uh, how close to the trail is it? Can we go over and take a look at it? It's pretty close to the trail, actually. It's not far from where you're headed. We've still got plenty of time. Let's go take a look at our tree friend over here. Tissa rolls on um, just an understanding roll. Two successes and two edge successes. Does Tissa know anything about these trees? Um, Tissa remembers one other thing about these trees. Mm-hmm. Hard to think of what to do with these edge successes. You know what? I'm going to say that uh, I will, for four successes, I will give you an extremely vivid memory that is not explicitly what you're looking for. Heck yeah. Um, Tissa has a very clear memory of this tree growing inside the home of the dragon Daybreak. And Red, your dragon, um, the golden dragon? Mm hmm. They had one of these too. Oh. It's everywhere. 
These are everywhere. It's very pretty. And Tissa sort of, like, runs her hand along the bark. No, they're everywhere. Hmm. I think, Penelope, is there any of any flowers on the ground? Yeah. So let's say that a couple of them have been knocked down by the wind. It's been stormy lately. She picks one up and puts it between her, her sketchbook and, like, to press it between the book. I'll look into this. Cool. Hmm. I think while Penelope is looking at the tree, she's also thinking back to the duck. Can I make an understanding survivor roll to see if I, like, have heard anything about an animal like this? I'll let you roll understanding survival, but it will be more difficult than if you were to roll understanding spirits. Ah, okay. I don't have spirits? You know what? Let's just do a straight understanding. Oh, two successes. Nice. That's a lesser daemon if ever you've seen one. Ah. You've seen a lot of lesser daemons lately. This looks like one of those. So, as we're, like, looking at the tree, Penelope kind of turns to Tissa and is like, I saw a, a a a demon friend too, not not their bad friend, but just oh, yeah, probably, huh? Cute little duck friend, yeah. Hmm. This place is very active, I guess. Do you feel it? Uh, I guess I will roll sensitivities, uh, focus to see what Tissa feels. Okay. Success in an edge. Um, this is going to be a weird way to play an edge success, but if you play mm-hmm. the edge success, I will give you not the information you're looking for. <laughs> I will give you the information you were looking for earlier. I like this. Okay. You cannot sense us. Well, that's not true. You can sense a single thing. You can sense one mm-hmm. thing. Beneath the roots of this tree, there is a brilliant blinding presence. And now you remember how the tree got inside Daybreak's home. It was summoned there by someone. <gasps> that that's <laughs> I don't know this, so that was that's that's meta, but I I uh <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Cobb is just kind of looking at it going little flowers. Doesn't that usually mean fruit bearing? Did a Do you think a bird or something brought it up here, Tissa? Um um um, um, sugar made this. The, the, the little rock friend that, uh, that our would-be queen had? Yes. Right. Right, 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 right. Well, are they here? Are there more... Of Tissa is like her eyes are blinking fast like she has made some sort of connection or rather she knows this is important and she doesn't know where to put it and it's driving her crazy do do you think Rada and Fulquin came this way they might they could have I don't see why not well I mean other than the fact that it's probably dangerous here and I don't know if they'd uh, if Fulquin would appreciate that I'm sure Rada wouldn't mind Do you can down at the base of the tree, it's just very, very bright. 
<laughs> gotcha. And Gideon salutes and uh, starts rummaging in her bag for like a little travel shovel that she's got as part of her survival <laughs> kit. Cobb plunks down a, a great big shovel. You know, I did bring this for a reason. I don't know if we can get through the uh, soil around here if it's in the mountain, but do we need to dig it up? What are the spell pieces here? Oh. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting something. Okay, so the words I have chosen that were always here, that were not just chosen by me just now, don't worry about it, are brilliant, possible, open, flower, wisdom, and guidance. If I were to cast a spell open heart to help like dig a hole to the heart how many scatter so wait what are you trying to do with open heart dig a hole to the heart the glowiness i mean Kathleen, Cobb, i'm so Cobb, mad at you right now <laughs> like Cobb does have a shovel like i specifically called it out at the end of the last episode that Cobb has a big shovel it's true you did yeah like i was just kind of saying there i i can do we want to dig here? I don't see why not. I mean, I don't want to like hurt the tree or anything like this. I don't know if, if whatever is down there is causing it to be here. That's why I was thinking open heart, because then I could like magically remove the dirt, but like leave any structures intact and then place the dirt back nicely when we're done. Okay. So if you want to just remove the dirt from the root structures of the tree temporarily, mm-hmm. To see what's down there, that's just gonna be like two scatter. If you want to just be presented with what is down there, I'll give you that for four. Let's go all in. Why not? Okay. So tell me, please, about open heart. So Penelope puts her hands on the ground near the tree and slowly starts almost massaging the dirt. And as she does so, you see, like, the dirt start to ripple and start to, like, flow, like, really, really thick water. And then it starts to ripple away from where she's placing her hands and move and expose the root structures, revealing any secret that is hiding down there. And I think since you've spent all four of them, the roots actually, like, instead of being exposed, just kind of emerge like a pair of hands from the ground. I like that. And they're holding a very small chip of stone. It's a greenish stone, and it is about the size of a thumbnail. And Tissa, like, steps back a couple of feet. Huh? It's really bright. Oh, it is very bright. Oh, here. Um, And I think Penelope grabs a, 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 a mat of moss and puts her hands out with the moss covering, like holding the moss to accept the stone onto the moss to like wrap it up gently. Well, I have a question. And Cobb kind of turns to look at Mr. Sot. Are you getting anything from this? Maybe we should let you carry it if it's not bothering you. Uh... Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Here. Here you go. I'm not going to put all that moss in my pocket. <laughs> but I... 
You you don't have to put the moss it in your pocket. It keeps the stone protect. Oh, okay. Sock kind of goes through his his bag and pulls out a little handkerchief, and kind of very delicately wraps the stone in it. Oh, in okay, that's pocket. that's a better idea. Thank you, Mister Sot. Y- yeah. Uh. You should hang on to that. It might be important. As the quartermaster, I leave that up to you. Uh, uh, I, sir. And then I think Penelope turns to the tree and she says, thank you, tree. And she shakes hands with the root. And then the roots can go back to normal. (laughs) Thank you, tree. Gideon gives the tree a wave. Yes, thank thank you, tree. Thank you. Um, Red, can I have the moss back if, if Mr. Sot's not going to use it? Um, moss, moss, yeah. moss. Yeah, of, of course. Um, um, just a sort of like places in her hand and like looks at the place that Penelope grabbed it from and is going to do her best to set it back where it is supposed to be and cast possible respite <laughs> on the moss. Just that you were adorable. <laughs> She's not sure if it's going to work. I mean, possible. It's possible. (laughs) She sort of like pats the moss down and there's just like a small twinkle of light. I think, I think um, just because I love this word combination, Penelope's going to add the word encouraging. She's helping along. It's possible. All right, you dweebs. So... (laughs) I've decided that I'm taking this in a hostile tone now. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, basically, I'm going to make a roll for the moss, and every scatter you spend is one more die the moss gets to roll. Cat, please do not overscatter everybody immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is how we're oh, playing perfect. the game. This is how we're playing the game. Also, uh, for not cat, please do not overscatter yourself at the moss. I, I think I think Penelope's content with one. <laughs> uh, I was planning to do two for Tessa anyway. Okay, roll three dice. Oh no, we've got a success in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we knew we've got it was a success possible. and an edge actually. So what I'm gonna say is that the moss doesn't grow back like quite in the same place. And it's got mm-hmm. kind of a weird lump, but it mm-hmm. is back on the tree. That's acceptable. You did it. I, you did it. I think Penelope high fives Tissa. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm very glad that we've all helped the moss. <laughs> Shall we get going then, everybody? <laughs> Let's get going. <laughs> Tally ho. Tally ho us, everyone. Tissa and Penelope are very nice, even to Moss. <laughs> moss is important. Moss is, is good and green and soft and fluffy, and it's nice. Listener, go out and, like, make peace with some moss around you. Moss. It's everywhere if you know to look for it. Pet the moss. Moss is very cozy. Yeah. yeah. I fell asleep in moss once. It was very nice. That's on brand. That tracks. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. That's a pretty cursed thing to do. <laughs> it was it was good. All and right. then when I came back from my moss nap, people were like, what about the slugs? What if you got slugs on you? I'm like, eh, 
I guess. I mean, I didn't think about that. Didn't happen. So it's okay. If I didn't think about it, it wasn't going to happen. (laughs) So the party leaves the little slope where this tree is tenaciously growing. You can hear its leaves rustle in the wind. Just a little bit louder than the distant wailing of the Daleth at the peak. Penelope, you see the duck again? It peeks out from behind a boulder to watch you all pass. Seems to give a little nod and then waddles off again as quickly as its little legs will go. I think Penelope waves again, just like, hey. Upon being discovered, the duck flees. A very shy duck. It is a demonic duck. It is a shy demonic duck. This duck's origins are not of this world. And not long after leaving the slope where the tree is growing, I assume we reach Mr. Cobb's destination. This is your doing. This is your wicked doing. So please tell the party what this place is and what it looks like. Okay, so the area that Cobb has brought everybody to is a, I guess it's not big enough to be a plateau, but it's a little flat area on the mountain that overlooks the veldt, has a very nice view, you can see all the way out to the horizon, especially on a day like this where I'm assuming it's clear because Kat hasn't said otherwise. Yeah, I think I said it was a clear day. Yeah. And on this little area that's tucked away behind this off-beaten path is a small couple of stones over on one side with, uh, there's some engraving on one of the stones, and Cobb motions everybody over and says, Crew, I'd like you to meet Emerelda or Emmy. (sighs) It's been a while since I've been here, but the view is just as nice as I remember. It's beautiful up here. Oh, yes, that's why she asked... For this place. I think Penelope, just without looking at Cobb, puts her hand on his shoulder, just standing beside him. Well, we have a job to do, everybody. Um, find a seat. I will get to work. And Cobb takes his pack off and puts shovel into the dirt. All right. Time for more digging. Gideon ties her hair up in a high ponytail and rolls her sleeves up and gets to digging next to Cobb. It doesn't take too long before there's a loud thunk as Cobb's shovel hits something, and ah, there it is. All right, let's let's pry it out. Oh, and, and don't worry, there's nobody actually down there. Uh, they were all cremated. She asked for her ashes to be spread up here, but there's a marker just in case. And... We wouldn't be pirates without putting a little something special where we mark stuff. And Cobb pries a large lockbox out from beneath the headstone. Lots of buried treasure today, huh? I wasn't expecting the other stuff, but uh, it looks like everything is just as I left it. Oh, God, what? That was five and a half years ago now? Ah, time flies, doesn't it, everybody? It really does. If what I remember is in there, everybody, let's uh, get your cups out. There's a little something in here for everybody. Oh. And Cobb dusts off the lockbox and pries it open. And there is a small collection of items inside. And one of the things, the first thing that he pulls out is a old cloudy bottle of amber liquid. 
this was probably some of the best rum we'd ever gotten and was certainly her favorite. And I think she would definitely enjoy if everybody had some. Thank you. But more importantly, I left all of this stuff here because I didn't really know what to do with it at the time. But I think, I think I'd like to still have it. At least, I think it deserves to be put to good use with a good crew. So, everybody gather around. I think there's something in here for all of us. Mm-hmm. And the first thing Cobb pulls out is a dark navy teal, sort of bluish green tricorner hat. And he kind of looks at it and pats a little bit and then puts it on Sot's head and goes, What? I think you <laughs> look good in it. It is definitely too big for him. It swallows up his little head. You'll grow into it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And let's see what else we have in here. Oh, yes. I kind of was thinking that you should have this one, Tissa, because it goes with your aesthetic. But you did also give away your previous one. So here, and Cobb pulls out a a very fine, bright yellow scarf and hands it to Tissa. Oh. Oh. Heroes always wear yellow, don't they, Tissa? Come to think of it, yeah, huh? Am I... I don't think I'm a here. Um, <laughs> Gideon's just softly booing. <laughs> she no longer wears a uniform, but she still pretty much always wears blue. Well, yellow scarves, maybe. The rest of the outfit, you can uh, do as you want. Um, let's see. Oh, yes. I don't know if Polly will appreciate you having these, but I think they fit you and they'll look good on you. And Cobb hands a pair of very nice boots to Penelope. Ooh, they're gorgeous. Thanks. She kept very good care of them. Never steered her wrong. You take good care of them and they'll last forever. They look pretty much like they're new. Check the inside of the left one. You'll also find another fun little surprise. And there is a gorgeous pearl-handled boot knife in the left one. No. I don't know if I should be giving you this, but I trust you enough that maybe uh, in the future you might have uh, something, well, not up your sleeve, but in your boot in case you run into more um, untowards friends like our last encounter. (laughs) Hidden knife. Sorry. I've been greatly enjoying this, and this is extremely beautiful, but do you mean to imply that if Penelope had a knife, the thing with the Ash Duke wouldn't have happened? <laughs> we haven't seen Penelope with a knife yet, so it very well couldn't have. All right. No, you got me there. <laughs> I mean, Penelope with a knife can only equal great things. I don't know how much power I have given her. Well, so we we have the length of the Sword of Symphonies now with Penelope didn't have the knife. Penelope has the knife now, so we now we just have to see how long it takes to... Uh, spend sort of symphonies getting rid of the knife. <laughs> yeah, manipulated variable. Manipulated variable. Penelope now has knife. <laughs> Penelope just kind of like stares wide-eyed at the knife. It's like, hidden knife. Why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> Where else are you supposed to carry knives? I don't know. I mean. But I like it. Cobb just kind of like, why? Well, I, I always keep mine in my boot. Well, that's what I do, too. Am I the only one that didn't have boot knife? Huh. Well. Get where's your knife? 
You change it sometimes. I mean, the big one's usually on my hip. Mm-hmm. But there's one here. Um... Oh, there's a little one up here. And she, like, pulls a small knife out of her, uh, like, hair clip. Oh, that one's really good. Isn't it cute? Yes. I just like knives. And she shrugs and laughs. I think Penelope is staring wide-eyed at Gideon, like, oh my gosh, there's so many places you can hide knives. <laughs> oh, there are so <laughs> many places you can hide knives. Oh. Now that I think about it, I don't really need to hide them. It's just more fun that way. <laughs> I, I, I like it. Well, it's... Let's give you something maybe then that uh, you don't, well, maybe something that you can hide more knives in, but I think, I think you'll appreciate this, Gideon. And Cobb pulls out a nice bluish green, same as the hat colored vest. Ooh. Check the left breast pocket. There should be a small box in there, which I think you'll appreciate what's inside of it most. um, Let's just say, I think it fits your new uh, daytime persona. Oh my goodness. There's a lot of knife pockets in this. Captain, there's so many places to put a knife in this vest. Well, I, I'm i glad you like it. And also, I think you'll like the uh, the glasses oh, in there right. as well. Oh. And there is a, a small pair of tinted, very fine crystal glasses huh? in the oh. left breast pocket. Ooh. If you're going to be outside looking at the sun all the time, you should, you know, protect your eyes. I hardly ever stare at the sun. Yeah. One time. This will keep your eyes being able to see all those things that you want to see while you're awake. (laughs) Thanks, Captain. And let's see. Coin? And Cobb puts a couple of small bags of gold coins down. Well, enough at least to stock back up. And here we go. Why we're here. And Cobb pulls a very fine-looking straight sword on a very nice leather belt out and kind of dusts it off and takes a look at it and just kind of is real quiet for a moment. He takes the sword out from the sheath and it is a brilliant cobalt blue and shines brightly in the, I guess, midday sun. Yep. In just as good a shape as it was when I, when I put it in there. You know, she was the only person I could never beat. I even got the captain once, but um, she never let me win even once. That's why I married her. Aww. <laughs> yeah. And Cobb puts the sword back in and sort of unclips it from the leather belt that it's on and clips it to his own. Well, and I guess, um, I guess the belt is up for grabs. Hmm. Hmm. Never marry anyone you can't best in hand-to-hand combat. Well, I think she was the only one of us who was able to, uh, <laughs> to follow through with that. Oh. Hmm. I suppose for it to be a perfect marriage, you'd have to fight each other to a standstill every time. Wow. Oh, believe me, I tried as hard as I could. It almost happened, but, but she got me. Hmm. I even asked her at one point, hey, can't you just let me have one? And, you know, <laughs> she knew that even if she had given it to me, I wouldn't have accepted it. So, yeah, she knew me better than I knew myself. Mm. Mm. 
And anyways, I think we've earned a little rest. Would you like to join me in a drink? Certainly. Aye, aye, Captain. And Cobb pours everyone a little bit of the very sweet and very fancy tasting rum. And raises his glass and says, to our new crew. Here, here. Mm. To um, me. Uh, she would have loved to have met all of you. She sounds like quite a person. Well, yeah, I'll have to tell you all about it sometime. We've got plenty of time on the boat. And so the party enjoys their drinks and some of the food they packed from the Dunbarrow Monastery. And of course, the view of the Velt. And I guess one last thing before everybody heads back down is Cobb turns to Sot and says, you know, there, there was another reason why I wanted to come up here, Mr. Sot. Hmm? Was that, Captain? So, I hope you were paying attention to how to, to get up here, because one day I want to be up here too, and I'd be honored if you would do it. Uh, uh, and he nods under the way too large hat, which he eventually takes off because he can't really see. I Captain. And he gives a serious little nod. Well, hopefully by that time that hat'll fit you. It's fine. I like it. Uh, it looks good on you, even a little a little oversized. I think it'll look just great on you. Well, let's put the box back then, and I think we have a ship to catch then here in a little in a, a day or so, everybody. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not looking forward to getting the next one though. I know exactly where it is, and the mm -hmm. person who has it, I don't think they like me very much these days. Oh. Mm. Well. Mm. You can't really be a good pirate without making enemies, I suppose. Well, mostly I just think she, uh, she holds me a little responsible, but it was her dad who told me to get her out of there. Mm. That sounds like you were responsible. Yeah, the, um... Captain's biological daughter, Beatrice. Mm. She has the spear. Do you know where she is now? I do. I don't know if she'll be happy to see me, but uh, maybe you guys can, can butter her up for me a little bit. I think she'll love all of you. Mm -hmm. What's not to love? Mm. So now, the party puts the box away, packs up their snack time, and looks out over the goat home felt. The one burial place they haven't disturbed today. The great grave of everything Amilta was before. And then they get ready to descend the mountain. And this time it's memory time. Hey, Kat. What's up? I know about your ways of planning, but I do know some things that you have planned and we have talked about at the time. Were the star-shaped trees, was that the connection between them the whole time? Um, it wasn't intended the first time I introduced one, but after mm -hmm. that, yes. Okay. So the one at Escape Route of the South Wind was accidental and the rest were on purpose. Okay. Yeah, I think that was actually my memory, is I I was not expecting to see the tree there. 
that was a really cool little surprise that Kat had for us. <laughs> I had to do some GMing this episode. <laughs> I uh, I like how Tissa was like, let's put the moss back. <laughs> that was extremely cute. It's very, very Tissa. And Tissa I love is a it. very, very sweet person. She's even nice to moss. This was a nice session. It was sign of a nice breather. And Kat has plot hooked me. <laughs> Should we explain to people who haven't joined us to for season two before what Juga's deal is, or should we talk about that another time? Yeah. So the party encountered a character in season one named Fulquen, who was kind of a ranger, who was capable of casting spells, but hadn't actually been on a journey to a Daleth. Instead, she held a piece of fractured stone, which she addressed as Juga. And one of the abilities that, according to her, this stone gave her was calling into existence these trees. Question about the trees. Do they actually make fruit? Um, you have always seen them in flower. Okay. Even though when you were in Northridge, it was the harvest festival. It was harvest time. They were still flowering. I, that never dawned on me before. Huh. I guess we're just going to have to stare at it and see if it ever does fruit. <laughs> That's exactly what I intended for the next arc to be. The, the crew stares at a tree. It's going to be just a very relaxed pace. In-depth botany study. My favorite memory was the weird duck. Weird duck was really cool. I liked the weird duck. <laughs> weird duck is also here to help. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that the weird duck would just actually be an animal because I like it when you make weird animals, but <laughs> it being a little daemon is appropriate too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being our weird duck and watching us from behind a rock while we have our adventures, <laughs> listener. But if you do want to be more than just a weird duck watching us, how can you <laughs> break that liminal space between weird duck and true listener and talk to us? How can they do that, Kat? Well, you can be a true listener and not talk to us. I'm not going to judge. Mm -hmm. But if you want to talk to us, if you want to quack at us, you can use Twitter. You can message us at Peach Garden RPGs. We would love to hear from you. You can also use the email form on the website, swordofsymphonies.com, which will send an email directly to me, Kat. I would love it if you did that. You can also hang out with us on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord. We would love to have you. It is full of network friends and fans alike you'll fit right in i guarantee it we're all weird ducks there we're all weird ducks there oh yeah oh yeah for sure so you can't see it because i'm on mic not on video but after the mention of being behind a rock i was doing this like bobbing up from behind my mic and back down and up from behind my mic and back down so yeah yeah Kirsten's physical comedy is lost in the audio format. I know. That's why I had to describe it. Because I was just, it just got me thinking about <laughs> this duck hiding behind. One more thing before I let you go, listener. Heroic Court is currently in its open playtest phase. We have made a playtest package available on our website, sortofsymphonies.com, or at peachgardengames.itch.io. You can download the manual as it stands right now, including plot hooks and encounters for someone looking to GM the game. 
And there's also a character sheet and a questionnaire to fill out and a little thank you note from me because if you check this out and get back to me, I will love you forever. So if you want me to love you forever, do a little play test for us and tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, run your own story with your own weird duck. Yeah, tell us about your stories. Yeah. Good night, listener. We love you. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Quack. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Everyone Dice is a tabletop RPG actual play show produced by Compass Rose Productions. We are a group of queer players with a focus on roleplay, an emphasis on diverse storytelling, and a goal of creating happy endings for people who don't usually get them. Currently, we are using D&D 5th edition and playing through a dark fantasy homebrew campaign inspired by the world of Innistrad. Everyone Dice streams on Twitch at 4pm PST and is available on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter at Everyone Dice for more information.